Persian crucis de nemicis nostris, libros Deus noster, in omni pace fidei Petrus Santi. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Today's uh, recollection will be all about how we really want to pray properly, to really be souls of prayer, high level, high quality pray deeply, to pray effectively, piously, in union with Christ, expressing our abandonment and real love. It's, it's really our essential means of contact with the divinity, with God, with Christ, with that whole celestial world, that invisible world. And we, we really want to open our hearts to continue learning this. It's not about doctrinal issues or, or teachings. It's, it's really about our active participation, communication, contact, and union with the Blessed Trinity. In this recollection, first we'll look at uh, our habit of interior recollection. That's why we call these things recollections. We, we don't call them, well, we could, I guess. We could call them, I don't know, days of prayer, I guess, or a day of afternoon of prayer. But we call it recollection. Then we'll talk about the fact that this prayer is filial, based on Christ's words, Abba, Abba Pater, our relationship to God as a Father. And then finally, the meaning of prayer that expresses Jesus' uh, priestly soul, the mediator. He is a mediator between God and man, and we too have to be mediators. First, this interior recollection, well, interior and exterior recollection. You know, some people, they say, I'm, I'm praying, and they're doing the dishes, and they're, they're fiddling around, turning the, the microwave on, and doing things, and well, I'm doing my prayer because, uh, you know, well, okay, that's, that's good in theory, but we also have to recollect ourselves exteriorly. And so, well, we ask ourselves, well, how does this happen? How, how does recollection actually happen? How can, how can I slow down today? How can I, how can I be less agitated and less, like, you know, less worried, more peaceful? How can it happen that my interior world kind of calms down a bit, like a lake, like a lake in in nature, in the evening or a very early morning? It's funny. It's very early morning. It's like a mirror. Early afternoon or late afternoon, rather, it 
it's, it's, it's like a mirror. And then you can really see the sun reflected. That's where you get the beautiful sunsets from. And you see the sun reflected in the water. But if it's agitated, if there are waves, if there, you can't really see. It's just like a, a broken, broken series of lights, and it's not. You cannot see the beauty of the sun. And when we recollect, the sun, which is God, sees itself more clearly in our soul. We have to be like that still lake. How does that happen? Well, the Gospel often speaks about our Lord. It says He withdrew. He's withdrawing. He's going to some place where there are not that many people. That is, He's getting away from the coming and going. Perhaps there were moments it was things were getting really busy. Many were wanting to speak to Him. Many wanted appointments. They wanted to just be with Him. He would want it to lay his hands on the sick. They wanted to tell him their problems. There was lots of work in that sense. People lining up, taking a number. All good stuff. It's all wonderful stuff. It's all what the gospel tells us. All the good things that he did. There were demons, you know, people in demons. These were like agitated people. And uh, Peter was getting worried, and James and John, they were going, get this guy in the first line. He's really getting, he's being bothersome. He's getting, he's got to go to the top of the line because, you know, Jesus really needs to see him. And all this, the appointments, the the upsetness of people, the Pharisees grumbling. uh, It was all good stuff, but... He did not let himself be swallowed up by it all. Some people were just going to have to wait. He was there for it all. But in the end, not all would have access to him. Not all would be cured. There were people who were not cured. Some stayed sick. Maybe that would be a job for the apostles a bit later. He entrusted them with the task of, of healing, of, of expelling demons. They also did that. So, Gospel of St. Luke says he withdrew to the wilderness and prayed. That's where this recollection takes place. This, this time of reflection, this time of prayer, of contact with God, God the Father. In fact, Luke says he spent the whole night in prayer. It was a need for an intense time of prayer. To be able to to spend all night in prayer meant that it was important for him. He needed to feed that dialogue. He, I mean, all night. I mean, what do you do for all night? People, people, study for exams all night, which is pretty useless because the next day you're like a zombie and you can't remember anything. You know, <laughs> you know, but. People spend all night on things that they consider very, very important, or, or at least urgent. For him, it was part of his essence. It was not simply a duty, a dry rote thing. This was not 
about simply the mechanics of prayer. He was kind of stepping back. He was seeing things from 30,000 feet, if you like. He was looking at the meaning of things. He was dwelling deeply into the very purpose of the lives of the people he contacted, he came in contact with. And probably, given that he, he was both God and man, he probably thought about you and me too. All night, what was he doing? Well, he was thinking about you and me. He was sort of going over history of civilization, the expansion of the evangelization throughout the whole world, and he was thinking about you and me. Maybe he was thinking about this apostle's life. He was thinking about, well, how is, is Peter going to deal with this issue or that problem? That this one would be misunderstood? Maybe he was thinking about Judas, too. He was preparing this other one to be strong, to be courageous. I, would, I think it would have been a very calm prayer like humanly speaking it would have been like you would have gone up to him and say Jesus by the way we, we have to work to do and he would have been like like what what you know he would have been like <laughs> you know did you talk to me he was it would have been like focused it would have been agitated looking at his phone and uh, you know you know moving around and uh, like that lake at the camp it was like a mirror. You could see the sun reflected so beautifully with all its colors and all its, uh, its beauty. But when the lake was agitated, the sun was just a series of bespeckled lights and reflections. And you couldn't get a sense of the same unity there. And the same thing happens to us. We don't really see God when we're agitated, when our mind is bouncy, when we're wondering about the next thing. And we can easily fall into the trap of looking at our phones. You know, they, they tell you when you get on a plane, go into airplane mode. Please put your phone on airplane mode, especially on takeoff and landing because the plane this is maybe this is an urban myth but this is what they say they, they say that the plane has to be in constant contact constant contact with the control tower and it needs to communicate and they say yes you can take off now no you can't go yes okay go keep going and uh, I mean the communication is important at that moment everybody's on their phone and contacting grandma and and, and, and you know their friends and their girlfriends and, uh, and their wives and whatever. And, well, there's a danger that all that communication going everywhere is going to interfere with the most important communication of the pilots with the control tower. And probably it's happened, I guess, in the first days of the cell phones. I presume it happened. The pilot you know, gets this static. He's saying, what would you say? What, line, what runway did you say? And uh, interference was there. So they say, airplane mode. Meaning no contact with the outer world, with, you know. And 
This is what will lead to a deep presence of God. When we recollect ourselves, it's, we think about it as, as calming the senses, focusing our mind, breathing deeply, especially on takeoff, I say. Takeoff and landing. Like those are the moments that are more important. And then we start cruising, you know, we high altitude with God. But, but getting there takes, if you like, a special effort. The engines have got to be have got to be on. That's why the opening prayer is so helpful for us. Brother Lawrence, this famous uh, monk, or, or this brother from the 17th century, wrote that book on presence of God. He said that we must serve God in a holy freedom. We must do our business faithfully without trouble or disquiet recalling our mind to God mildly and with tranquility, as often as we find it wandering from Him, wandering away. And so we ask you, Lord, now how can I arrive at those heights? How can I arrive really at that cruising altitude? The plane sometimes takes off in the middle of stormy weather, rain and even snow they have these cranes that come in and de-ice the plane and they put something on it so that all that ice come off and that the plane is ready to fly and then once it gets through that heavy weather it goes up above the clouds and then it's it's calm you see the sun what before was dark and gloomy and and uh, stormy now above the above the clouds it's it's calm it's sunny how can we reach those heights lord we ask you now teach me how to do that i heard of a professor who was teaching i think it was at santa croce who was speech, teaching the course on spiritual theology you know there's all courses there's dogmatic theology, there's uh, biblical theology and stuff. And this guy was teaching spiritual theology. And one of the tasks was to go over the experiences of the mystics, the great mystics, and how they arrived at the heights of prayer, how they arrived at true contemplation. And he, he said that once he would like you would quote somebody like St. Teresa of Avila, right? Or you know, some of the great mystics and even St. Faustina. Some of the students would ask, come up to the prof after hearing all this, and say, how can I do that? How can I want to do that? How can I do that? Well, he would say, I mean, he would explain the experience of others but they said, well, that's nice, but how can I do that? And, and he'd say, well, admittedly, it all depends on the grace of God through Jesus Christ and his spirit and the help that we receive from various saints. And they said, yep, yeah, okay, but how? I assume that. That's like, I paid that with the admission price. I mean, how can that happen? Well, it is a journey that we have to make. And 
I would say we have the GPS to do it. You just got to do it. The GPS tells us, okay, turn left now. And then you turn left and then, okay. After 100 meters, turn right. After 30 kilometers, and it tells you exactly what you have to do. So we have to follow the instructions. And the saints, you know, they just follow that journey of their soul to God. They somehow follow the instructions. Maybe there was a deep resoluteness in their attitude. A deep, not just listening, but a resoluteness to always listen. St. Teresa was like that of Avila. She was very, very uh, insistent on this. In fact, she spoke a lot about being very prepared. She had this resoluteness, this preparation, this diligence, this conformity that she speaks about for the beginner. And it consists both in your actions, well, your, the way you think, and uh, the way you think, rather, your thoughts and your actions. And in this order, actually, she said, first thoughts, then actions. And that remark of hers about preparation, about resolution, about diligence, uh, occurs in her discussion with regards to the, the recollection that we must have in prayer. She doesn't call it prayer directly, but she calls it, it's like the process of arriving at prayer, recollection. That is, to stop in our mind all agitation, all nervousness. We can just stop, concentrate, breathe. You could even make that concerted effort just to listen to the thumping of your heart the beating of your heart just okay let me see if I can see how many beats I do per minute here and see if you can do that or just for that matter even just the breathing I'm breathing in I'm breathing out it's a way of being very Recollected, very concentrated, very focused, very calmed. Something that just breathing a few times is a good way to calm yourself. But ultimately, it means we're traveling towards God. And since one travel, one travels on this journey by affection, that's how we travel. We are traveling with our affections, not by plane, not by train, not by automobile, but it's by our affections, our deepest desires, the movements of our heart, the movements of love. Theologians, they call it affective union, or to use an image that is also similar or, or common or familiar to saints is they sometimes speak of uh, spiritual ma marriage. <coughs> spiritual marriage. A union with the beloved. 
But this won't work if God's love of ours is a kind of idle affectation, just kind of going through the motions. It's a, it's rather something, it's a love that is realized at a cost. It has to cost us something. It has to be something that is in some way hard. T.S. Eliot said it was something that costs us more than anything. That's why our Lord, when he was going into that essential moment in his life in the Garden of Olives and Gethsemane, he said at a very difficult moment, he said to the apostles, watch with me, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Watch and pray. There's an urgency there with the way he said it. And there's no real, real urgency in the apostles. They fell asleep. They tried to watch, but they found it too hard. They were tired. So that journey towards our Lord starts with recollection. And it's kind of hard to define this yet. Yet at the same time, we know what recollection is, even though it is somewhat hard. Where, you know, when everything, the opposite would be to be dispersed. Everything is dispersed all over the place. Like imagine a room where all your stuff is. It's all over. There's stuff in the corner. There's stuff in the drawer. There's stuff in the cupboard. There's stuff on the windowsill. There's like all over the place, you know. All the things you need. Your clothing is over there. Your your books that you need are there. Your it's all over. I mean, it's like you need to. Okay, let's put all this together. Okay, some stuff will go into the drawer. You're recollecting. You know, you're you're putting order. so that's what we have to do no matter where we find ourselves on this journey this part must always be cultivated this recollection must always be cultivated must always be practiced no one not even the greatest person can avoid this task of recollection that is the that is the beating heart of prayer. We can see that those who have practiced this a lot are able to start their prayer, you could say very rapidly, or um, that's the word rapidly, but they're able to enter into the presence of God very deeply. You could see that with somebody like Pope John Paul II, when he would arrive at some public place and they would put a kneeler there for him and he would shake hands and greet people, lots of authorities, all the eyes on him, and then he would kneel, and then boom, he was in, he was recollected. You could see he had done it many times. You know, there are stories of, of some place he would go to when he was either a bishop or still a, a priest. Uh, they would find him in the chapel, literally prostrated on the ground. And he was there in deep recollection. The Catechism says quite beautifully, it says that prayer is the life of the new heart. 
that beautiful it's the life of the new heart and so our our old heart is kind of weak and and not beating well not nourishing us but prayer is the life of the new heart he said it says it ought to animate us at every moment but we tend to forget him who is our life and our all this is why the fathers of the spiritual life in the Deuteronomic and prophetic traditions insist that prayer is a remembrance of God often awakened by the memory of the heart we must remember God more often than we draw breath says Saint Gregory of Nazianzus famous father of the church we must remember God more often than we draw breath that, that's the presence of God that's the fruit of recollection so it means we, we can sometimes tend to forget God we constantly have to bring him back to mind by this memory the memory of the heart it's hard to describe exactly what that memory of the heart is but it is a form of recollection it is it's it's the beating of the heart that keeps us alive you know if we were to if our heart were to stop beating we would have a heart attack and we'd be we'd be dead in our interior life it's somehow analogous you know to be alive with god our heart that new heart has to be beating Father Shota, the famous uh, author of uh, The Soul of the Apostolate, I think he wrote this in the 1930s or so, he offers another image by which we understand the relation between prayer and recollection. He describes how recollection is an indispensable element of mental prayer. He said, uh, Mental prayer gives me the verve with which I run on towards divine union. The verve. But it is custody the heart which is going to enable the traveler to gain strength from the nourishment he took before his journey began. He takes along the way so that he will always maintain the same lively place with which he started out the same lively pace with which he started out obviously this custody of the heart demands a certain amount of recollection and it cannot be practiced if my soul is dissipated it cannot be practiced if my soul is dissipated so let's you know we are we are often um are attacked by occasions of dissipation in our life, just in general life, not just in the moments of prayer, but in life. So many things distract us, draw our attention, we can end up being very dissipated. So that's why we have this time of um, the night time, and we try to live that because it's, you know, it's, it's something that will really nurture our journey towards God our sense of recollection, our focus, the beating of our heart. 
I read that the other day in the divine office. It said, uh, in matutina domine meditabor de te. In the early hours of the morning, I think of you, O Lord. In the early hours of the morning. Well, it was pretty early in the morning. You got up. Did you think of the Lord? Was that your first thought? Let's continue this process today and anchor it more deeply. This desire to be on that journey towards God, to be souls of prayer, souls of union, so that always in matutina, in the morning, in the day, in the afternoon, we think of you, O Lord. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you have communicated to me. In this meditation, I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.